driving along the other day and I was thinking, clutch pedal feels like it's vibrating. In an episode recorded about a week ago, we say goodbye to some much-loved stars. We take a look at the Rogue One trailer, examine the merits of a Twilight Zone remake, and complain some more about Doctor Who. It's all here, there and everywhere else. It's the airwaves. We're here, and we're ready. No, we're not. No? no? Damn. Who are we then? We are the Airwaves. Quite frankly, it's been so long we lasted, since we last did an episode. I've actually seen, I've seen Alex in person before, since our last um, <laughs> episode. I haven't seen Tone, though. And what's more, Tone actually yeah, turned... and you saw Mr. Madden. To, yeah, Tone actually turned up today. He did... <laughs> We thought we thought he wasn't going to. Uh, we thought he wasn't going to show up. It's the airwaves. It's the podcast that has a. It's the weekly podcast, or at least as weekly as we can possibly make it. That uh, makes a profound effort to uh, look at the week's media and entertainment news with me this week, Mister Tony Blunt. How are you doing, sir? Um, now I've just rushed in. I've got everything set up. Yeah, I'm all fine. Mm, mm. Alex and I were actually yeah, running a little bit late. <laughs> Alex and I were actually thinking of doing the show without you. But uh, we, we, held, yeah. we, we held on. I thought, no, I'll send him a telegram and, it, and it'll get to him eventually and, and, he'll, and he'll see the error of his ways. <laughs> Last but not least, all the way, all the way from three laps of the porterhouse in Covent Garden. Oh, yeah. Alex G. Fox. How oh, are you doing? Porter House Blue. That is, day, that, is that a well known circuit? <laughs> this is for Alex. Yeah, these people that hide in pubs from me. I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there because it is a quite a dark pub. Oh, it was. I was going nuts. You walked past I was me three times, losing my temper, mm. thinking you get. I've actually <laughs> told people that I'm supposed to be working with. Mm. I've had enough. I'm going home. Right. If you don't like it, stuff it. Yeah. Um, and then I go all the way across. Well, it wasn't that far. It was only about a mile, but it seems like a long way. <laughs> right. And it, I, I, I got all my equipment taken home from me. I'd done all the organisation. I turned up when you were supposed to be. Yeah. And you weren't there. Well, but apparently you were, but you were hiding in an elk. Here, but I was kind of sat back in the corner, and Carl had gone to the gents. So that particular beacon was not available in the middle of the pub. But oh, and a happy bunny, but. The the two quick pints that I downed in about thirty seconds cheered me up. That was that was impressive. Yes, you did go. You did go. I thought, I thought perhaps you'd so, left, you'd left me out of that particular round, but you said, "Oh no, these are both for me." I said, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, isn't that lovely? There's um, usually Carl that downed them like they're the shot. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Tone, you missed you missed the airwaves AGM. I know you did oh. all because of that bloody work thing. All of that because oh. because of that work and that last minute arrangement thing yeah but no it was lovely to uh, lovely to see everyone and uh yes yes had a a very nice I was but, there uh, in spirit a very nice but a very leaky burger was all good right 
Let us get into the um, well. We, we, we there's been uh, we've had a lot of sad news recently. Um, even more today, actually, that came in last minute. But let's start with the uh, start at the top with the epitaph. Um, Ronnie Corbett passed away. Uh, best known um, for the two Ronnies, he died aged eighty age eighty five, and that was this was last week. Um, Ronnie Corbett CBE. Uh, I actually, I actually saw Ronnie Corbett um, in uh, live in um, in Swindon, and he was uh, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, I, and uh, he'll be. Uh, he was he was one half of one of the one of the greatest um, you know uh, English comedy duos of all time, and he will be he'll be greatly missed. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Met him once, and I was saying to you earlier, I'm. Until I met him, I didn't realise quite how little he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, was he five foot? I don't know. So he was like, tiny. Yeah. But he, he was like little, but when he sort of talked to you and what have you, he was completely in charge, if you know, but not by, no, you know, not by bullying or anything else. He just like had a, an aura of, yes, uh, you know, uh, it's a confidence, I suppose. But you know, if you can't be, if he were him and Ronnie Barker together, I mean, they were around. I suppose they started with. Was it that was the week that was? It was, it was the frost. It was the frost. It was, yeah, it was definitely with frost, wasn't it? And you know, they were there with the the early Python people. It's just I think they were just a bit older, so they sort of went off to do their own thing, and the Pythons went a different direction and did their own thing. Yeah, but yeah. The, one of the, one, the the most amazing things about uh, Ronnie Corbett is, you know the bit where he sat in the chair and gave you the story? There was not a single wink, pause. Um, you know when he stopped what he's saying and went off on a tangent as if, you know, he just thought of something. There wasn't a moment of that that wasn't written and rehearsed to absolute perfection. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if he did that twice, it would be identical, even though it looked <laughs> completely and utterly natural and off the cuff. And it was just, you know, a stunningly competent performer. And to be able to... The, the trick was to be able to fake natural when you were com- doing it completely rehearsed is mind-blowing when you actually... If you've ever done anything like public speaking and any time you try and actually stick to something of a script but make it sound natural, it goes to pop. And wooden, I am, wooden as anything. Yeah. I know, but he could do it. And, <laughs> and until I, first of all, read and I actually saw something that backed that up on the TV that he was saying that every last moment, millisecond of it, every mannerism was rehearsed and and practiced and written. Mm. I was just like, wow, if I could do thousands of that. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, incredibly, incredibly charming, lovely. And again, one of those people, when he died, people just went, no, not, oh, he was... Mm. The, you know, he did this, he did that. It was like, no, 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 lovely people shouldn't die. I mean, of course they do. But it was just an absolute heartfelt outpouring, you know. I mean, there's going to be lots of outpourings here, and every one of them deserves, you know, recognition. But mm. his was like your great uncle. It, it was somebody, not, 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 oh, it sounds silly, but not your granddad, not the, someone that you knew 
completely and utterly really, really well. But somebody you knew occasionally, and when you saw them, always cracked a joke at the wedding. You know, he was that type of person. Uh, not always in your life, doing his own thing and just seeing him whenever he did. But whenever you did see him, he was just utterly on TV. He came across as your great uncle that made you smile and, and gave you humbugs, but no one was looking. Anyway, I, I thought yeah. he was a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he'll be, uh, as I said, he'll be, uh, he'll be sorely mm. missed. Uh, next up was, um, uh, I think later on, was it later on that week? Uh, Gary yeah. Shandlin, um, Shandling died. Um, comedian, actor, writer, and producer yeah. Gary Shandling, known for it's the Gary, it's Gary Shandling's show, and the Larry Sanders show, died on Thursday. So yes, that was. Uh, he was sixty-six. Yeah, I mean, this, I know it's a more American take on it, and we've got mm. another British one coming later. But it's like, you know, American, you know, sort of comedy legends that are sort of seen as pioneers at what they did as well. It's like they did; they're the first one to do a certain style. I mean, definitely with the Larry Sanders show, you know, that's one I remember watching sort of when I was, you know, sort of in school and sixth form. It was one of those things. It was on because sort of, they shoved it here; they shoved it away on BBC Two quite late at night. And, well, I find that I find that's what they do with a lot of the um, the slightly more off the wall American stuff, which yeah, actually I mean, turns even out Seinfeld to be the best at the time. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've never seen a single episode of Seinfeld, but uh, I mean, I'm, I haven't really. I mean, I've seen the Larry Sanders show, um, mm. but yeah, I, it's they they tend to they can they tend to kind of wall it off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and and that style of show is like even over here we had that thing with Rob Brydon where it was sort of he was doing the quiz show. And then you see behind the scenes of it as well. It's, it's that sort of style, you know. It's not very British style, first. though, is it? It's, um... No, no, that's the thing. It's like that's why it was kind of strange Rob Brydon doing it, you know, but it is more of an American thing. Yeah. But yeah. English people enjoy it, though, I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean I'm sure there's things we do that Americans couldn't replicate, but they do enjoy no. it nonetheless. <laughs> they, no, sometimes they try no. and replicate it, but, you know. No, this is one of those where it was, <laughs> it was, you know, they they did it their way, and then I mean, all I saw sort of from that the outpouring was from American comedians going, "It's like, oh, okay, he basically built, you know, so much of modern American comedy, you know." Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> yet another one um, who who I actually kind of thought, "Hang on a minute, what was um, yeah. was Victoria Wood?" Uh, passed away age 62 um it was, this was just uh, this was yesterday wasn't it yeah this was yesterday yes. we were recording on thursday this was wednesday uh, comedian singer and writer victoria wood has uh, died after a short but brave battle with cancer age 62 her publicist said um died peacefully at her north london home with went with her family on wednesday um she was i mean she was active for years and years and years and she was extremely popular she was extremely incredibly talented oh yeah yeah but you know the thing with her right i mean i'll, I'll give you my victoria wood story in a moment but <laughs> the thing with her she she seemed very uh, i suppose she probably was very nervous she seemed very unsure of herself and then she wrote or played a character 
which again was always slightly a nervous character. There was never, you know, a brash character. It was always, you know, slightly downtrodden but kind, and you know, standing up for the, you know, the the other people like dinner ladies. You know, she she wasn't the head dinner lady, but she took on that role so she could mm. look after the other dinner lady. You know, yeah, it's that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. But it would should never no. be the high powered um, executive in or something. She'd always no. see herself as the the dinner lady or or the cleaner no. or the which, yeah, I mean, you know, even with even with Acorn Antiques, it's like she wasn't the sort of main character no, in those no, skits, exactly. she, you know. But you know, that's how she sort of come across yeah. in life. And then and then she did obviously her comedy. Yeah. And then she wrote comic songs which were frankly genius. Then mm. she started writing serious drama. And then you think, is there anything this woman can't do? And not just can't do, but can't do as good, if not better, than everyone else. Um, one of the, there was a couple of things, and I can't remember what it was. It was Housewife forty. I don't know what the, the date was, but it was the the World War. It was was it World War? Did the kids go off? Yes, yeah, so it must have been before the war because I watched it quite recently actually. And she wrote it and starred in it. She wrote the thing. I think she wrote the thing about um, Eric Malcolm, didn't she? Yes, yeah, that one. She wrote that. I think she was in it actually. She played Harry Malcolm's mum as a as a, a youngster in that. Hmm. Um, she did one of my favourite ever Dad's Army stories. You know, the making of yes, the story. She did. Dad's in Army. fact, that's yeah. We were we were discussing that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did so much, which wasn't just the the years and years and years and years of comedy. And you know, the comedy was fi- it was fantastic. Um. You know, I, I, I actually come, I mean, yesterday, I said, it was not so much no, I mean, of course it's no, this is really sad, but I actually couldn't believe it, and I'm talking about it, and it's not somebody, look, I met her once, and I'll explain that in a minute, but she was just, no, how can Victoria would be dead? Yeah, I, I know that's cruel, but why can't one of these really, really, really talented people we're talking about? I mean, I know there's loads of them that do, but why can't we just sort of say died peacefully in their sleep at ninety eight? Yeah, because it just doesn't yeah. seem to happen. And, and and you know, I don't want to get melodramatic. And no, look, no more yeah. people have died this year and any other year. Uh, there just happens to be some younger people, and um, you know, so I think that's the surprise element of it, isn't it? It's, it's sort of quite young in many of these cases. Yeah, um, and they tend to all be, you know... Look, people die, and if they're famous and they die of something, you know, cancers and this and the other, at least, if there's a silver lining, at least whatever they died of gets a little bit more well-known. You know, when people, someone famous dies of prostate, people get their prostate done, you know, breast cancer people. And, you know, it's the smallest silver line. Anyway, Victoria Wood um, supported our local children's hospice, which we support and, uh, you know, give money to and do stuff for. And she support, support, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm using past tense. I really yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah. And um, she used to put on concerts, which, you know, you had to be part of the hospice group thing to um go to and uh so she used to take over for one night lots of west end uh theaters so we used to go along and see her and 
you know what? I've never, and I've, I've been to quite a few one person gigs and this and the other. And I think Amelda Staunton did the first half, and a lot of it was her singing. And I think she's got mm. quite a good voice, right? And then Victoria Wood comes out, and we're talking at a theatre of people. And it was like she was sitting in front of you in your front room. Because everyone was so, I mean, people were crying with laughter. But it was, it was so utterly personal. But not, she never ever picked on you or anything like that, but she was talking just to you. And it was, a, yeah. it was, it was a feeling that you sort of left there and you were amazed. How does one person grasp in their grip, if you like, so mm. many people in one place and you are, you're absolutely transfixed on her. And there was, a, a, mm. I actually remember that time I used, I thought something slightly manic about her and it was only sort of, you know, being that close and being with and like looking and thinking, there's actually something quite almost. It kept you on your toes. She'd do all these things, and then she'd just sort of. It was always a swish of the hair or a swish of the head, and it sort of brought you back right into focus again. And it was you couldn't. You, she just basically kept your attention absolutely incomplete. Anyway, she was just a, a stunningly talented woman, stunningly charming. Absolutely lovely, and didn't matter what she did, she was talking just to you. <laughs> and she was, and she was that talking kind of relaxed you. style, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she was talking yeah. just to yeah, you, really. sitting next to you on the couch, not just to you from a TV or just to you through a, a, a you know, on a stage. She was just talking to you, but everyone in the room felt that. And I don't think it was a trick. I think she was talking to every single person individually, and I don't know how. I would probably, yeah, yeah. I would, I would certainly say that's. I'd certainly say that's true. Certainly, when she, uh, she, she seemed, um, as I was saying earlier, um, she, she seemed very genuine and sort of eager, eager to to entertain. You know, just eager to be lovely, almost a desperation to be nice. (laughs) I wish more people like that. A blessed, you know. Yeah. Definitely. We'd all be a bit more tired, but wouldn't it be worth it? Wouldn't it, indeed, wouldn't it be worth it? <laughs> but uh, the the last, uh, is it today, literally, lit- literally today, uh, just after I got home, few, I, I read I'd say this. a few hours ago from what and, I can make of this. And, uh, and Tone, yeah. almost ju- just as you came onto the call, yes. um, Prince, a singer and superstar, has passed away age fifty-seven, which is no no age at all in this day and age. Um, the hugely popular, acclaimed, influential musician Prince has died at his home in Minnesota. The horror, the horrible thing is, is is that I, uh, I was, I kind of, I was on my way home from work today, and I was thinking, oh dear, we've got a, we've got a pretty over overly packed um, epitaph section tonight. I was just thinking, oh god, I, I do, I do hope we don't get another one in between. You know, in between Salisbury and and Wooden Bassett, and of course, you know the the rather macabre situation is that uh, that yes, it does it uh, that uh, Prince has passed away. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, my little brother was really into Prince, and I don't know. He was obviously a very good musician. I I was really jealous of him because he used to go at Sheena Easton, and when I was little, when I little, when I was a lot younger, Sheena Easton was the heartthrob. Um, it, it's not only what he did, it's what he wrote for other people. In funny, I, I, I saw listening to people talking about it on the radio and it made me think 
that he was the black rock. I, I mean, obviously, he, he, it wasn't just rock, was it? It was, it was every genre, but he was hmm. Bob Dylan. Yeah. You know? He was a, a pop, a, sort of a modern, well, I mean, he was a pop star, but... Yeah. Uh, but the word, the lyrics, the feeling, and then he'd give, yeah. he'd just give the songs to someone else. There's loads of Bob Dylan songs, for instance. People don't know Bob Lydon wrote them. But there's <laughs> loads of people that go, oh, that was done by such and such. Well, yeah, but you know who wrote it? And Prince was the same. But he also performed his own stuff to, let's face it, a much higher level than Bob Dylan. But yeah, he had so many carnations. I mean, I remember when he became what we lovingly called the squiggle. You know, oh, tough cap, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it was all that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, he. I suppose he he did split people. He did rub some people up the wrong way, but it, I think it's because he was ahead of his time, actually. Mm. Because nowadays, some of the things he does did are just seen as well. These are the things people do to get attention, because of nowadays you got you know social media and all the rest of it. It's just really easy to do something slightly odd. And become, you know, important, famous, and got all the rest of it. Whereas he did it at a time where you had to make videos, you had to sell records, you had to sell go to gigs. It wasn't a YouTube, there mm. wasn't social networking. You, it wasn't like you know, if you were going to be the one. I mean, it was him, Michael Jackson. Well, I suppose Michael Jackson and him. They had sort of uh, what's the word? Um, they trod in each other's areas, didn't they? Mm. Well, it was kind um, of back in the day where you actually had to be extremely good to get to the point where they did. Yeah, yeah, and he had he had the entourage thing, and and there was bits. Of, I mean, my little brother was really into him. Um, it, well, I was growing up. It was like you know, I just think about earlier. Music was more tied into fashion, if you like, than it was now. And the people I knew that sort of like Prince, it was because of as much to do with the clothes they were wearing as the music they were listening to. And nowadays I look at kids and they seem to all like bits of lots of things. But, you know, that's good because of, you know, you've got YouTube and things like that, so it's just made it accessible. Whereas if you went to a certain yeah. club because you wear a certain clothes, you only listen to a certain sort of music. And nowadays that doesn't apply. But he did that thing of being able to appeal to everyone. There isn't anyone. That crossover. Yeah, but there isn't anyone. Appeal, yeah. There isn't at least one or two or three Prince songs that you don't think, actually, he annoyed me with that one. But yeah, that was actually quite good. And that was really good. And actually, that was really good as well. And it was like... Yeah, you can say the same with Michael Jackson on that. Exactly. You know. And so, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it was his confidence that... He just knew he was the best at what he did. And he also knew he could probably be the best at whatever he turned his hand to. Mm. So it was just hard. It was just like, you know, everyone else was slaughtering their guts out. And I'm not saying he didn't slaughter his guts out, but he didn't seem to look like he had to try. And, you know, there's a lot, I mean, I saw Twitter and, you know, there's a lot of people that die, obviously, and there's a lot of people that go, oh no. But this was on par with the reaction for, um, Bowie, and I'd never, I didn't, I'd not seen Twitter just go, whoa, this this is really big, and uh, it'd been. See, I, I heard earlier they'd been quiet for a while, but he was just starting to try and 
what what they seem to think he was doing is he was holding loads of very small personal gigs or in or around where he lived and actually in his own house and inviting people in. And when I say inviting people in, inviting locals in, not just because you were rich and famous. Yeah, and, it, and they were saying it seemed like he was trying to just give something back to the fans on a personal level. So like, I don't know the situation and what he died of or if he knew he was on his way out or what have you. But it's... There's a lot of people out there. I, I know it's on top of a lot of other people, seemingly lots of other people dying. That I, I maintain there's no more than there normally is. But I think this is one of those where people have got no, no, Prince doesn't die. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. Michael Jackson doesn't die. Um, you know, and yeah, we all do. Yeah. But some of these people are just, you know, he's 57 going on 21. Mm. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing with most of these we've we've mentioned. Apart from Ronnie Corbett, they were, you know, quite young. It was hardly any they age. They all went before you know. their yeah. They've they've all gone before their yeah. before their time. I mean, yeah, yeah and that, I think that's been part of the reaction. There's been that you know surprise. It's like that sort of no, not you know. Yeah, I mean, someone like someone like Prince that's you know at fifty-seven, you'd expect at least another thirty years. Mm. Yeah. I would have thought. It's horror. It's a horrible thing, really. But these things happen. I mean, the fact is, in the last, you know, we haven't had time between us to do some shows for a while. You could do a, an hour and a half long epitaph by just doing one line on everyone. It's been, yeah. it's been busy for famous people, but yeah. you know, the one of the reasons I always feel uncomfortable about doing the epitaph is I feel guilty about all those amazing people that we don't have time to do. Yeah, indeed. Mm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, just, you know, there will definitely maintain. be ones we've missed out here, yeah, even. You know. Just to say, it's not about, it's it's just coincidence. We just thought, you know, we have to mention those that have died it's in the last the few days. Of the, it's the subject of the show, though. It's the, it's the, we, cover, we cover media, as I say at the beginning of the show, we cover media and entertainment news. This is media and entertainment news that various... Uh, you know, various protagonists in the uh, in the area. Well, there's one good of, thing uh, to say about it, right? Mm. Which is really odd to look for a silver line, but there is one good thing. Every one of these, there's millions of people, uh, you know, I don't know how heartbroken, but they're a little bit heartbroken. They've got a tear in their eye because these people who have died were loved. These people that died gave, I mean, obviously their families and their friends, but they gave something to the world. Yeah, and the world is honouring them by tweeting and going, oh no, or what have you. But, you know, look, there's millions more. But these four that happen to be on this show, every one of them were completely loved and honoured and people have affection for them, for what they gave to the world. And, and, you know, a lot of people go into these things to make money for fame, for this, for that, for the other. But these four just... These four, and I know many more, they gave more than they received. It wasn't about mm. how much money they had, because these four wasn't about money. It was about what they gave. And I just think that's what they got in common, and that's why people are sad, including us. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't yeah, we yeah. pay a visit to the trailer park and uh, have, a, have a discussion? Have a discussion about the Rogue One trailer, because that was released, ooh, I don't know, 
A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, the uh, the the Verge story is the seventh of seventh uh, of the fourth, two thousand sixteen. So it was last month. Um, first trailer for Rogue One, the anthology the anthology spinoff about a group of rebel fighters trying to steal the plans to the Death Star is here. Now, regular listeners to this show will will know that I'm not I'm not the world's biggest Star Wars fan, but something about this trailer made me really excited to see it mm. somehow i don't know if it was the way it was cut you know suddenly they suddenly they go to the old um the old um alert sound that's in the original um that's in a new hope that sounds like a, a wookie yelling and it's been sped up that's <laughs> what i always thought it was because obviously i was but when i first saw star wars i was very into sampling and things and i was thinking that sounds like the wookie has been sampled and sped up hmm. i must uh I must. I must. I mean, seek the Wookiee the... itself would have been sampled from something, wouldn't it? And then, oh, well, maybe slightly yeah. changed. The general idea of a of a kind of a standalone Star Wars film. That's the thing. It's it sets it apart from the Skywalker family, doesn't it? It That's, does. And that was the, the whole kind of point of it. Even though one of them could heavily feature in in this from you know from it being set on the depth yeah. with, with the Death Star. Yeah. yeah, and if I'm totally honest, the further we get from the Skywalker saga, the better actually, because I'm sick and tired of it. Mm. Um, but that means you can also you can still bring in the other sort of side characters, can't you? you like can, the Jedi. That's, yeah. that's what Star Wars has, has generally been strong for. It's the stuff. It's the stuff going on in the background that was always, you know, what's the story of that enormous thing over there that seems to be getting on with its life in a very peculiar fashion. Um, yeah, that's no moon. That's the, yeah. Well, the thing. <laughs> I that thought kind one, of the, of, uh, one of the fantastic shots of this from this um, uh, from this trailer is this: you've got a star destroyer in the foreground, you've got the Death Star in the background, and you've got this weird shadow kind of going on, as if it's a rendering error. <laughs> yes, it looks like it looks like the sort of fade between scenes in the it, sort of original yeah. trilogy, doesn't it? It looks like it's done that, but it's somehow it looks like something's gone wrong. Out the star destroyer, but yeah. it's actually having Sky installed. Uh, <laughs> Lucky it's not a square eel. Indeed. But, so that, yes. Imagine the subscription on that. Yeah. How many channels? I see the size of the dish. I mean, good heavens. Yeah. Yeah. Bernie had charged yeah, the, ten, I mean, ten times that for the F1 rides. The other shot that got me is, it's like a lot of people noticed it straight away, there's a bit filmed in Canary Wharf tube station. I got, yeah, I got that straight. I was, I was thinking, hang on a yeah. minute, I've been there. That looks familiar, that yeah. looks familiar to me. <laughs> in fact, I was there last week and I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but it was only after people pointed out, I did remember a couple of months ago seeing, oh, there was a, you know, it was actually closed to film. Yeah, well, the, th- the silly thing is, with whenever I'm at Canary Wharf tube station, I've only been there once when it's been absolutely rammed and you get... You get, um, you know, the door when the, the 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 areas where the doors are for the to yes. get onto the to get onto the trains. Um, there were literally lines in front of every single door, and two completely empty trains pulled up, and Canary Wharf filled, filled up the trains, and it was amazing. I wish I'd, I wish I could have stood at the top of the escalator and, and filmed it. I'm sure someone has, but uh, it, mm. it was amazing. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, every other time I've been here, it's been absolutely dead. So it probably wouldn't be so bad if they just closed it for a couple of hours one day and filmed something. I think it was only a weekend, didn't it? Well, yeah, well, even better. Yeah, I get a feeling it was a weekend. weekend. Anyway, so. Yeah. So, uh, Tone, what did you what did you reckon? Are, are you more excited for this than you were with the? Uh... Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
I mean, this this may turn into the first sort of Star Wars film that I'll actually sort of at least try and go to a cinema for. Right. <laughs> it's like The Force Awakens, the, tra- the trailers for that, you know, I mean, we'll discuss the actual film later, but, um, you know, the trailers for that, it's like, yeah, they were impressive, but I wanted to kind of hold back. I don't, you know, I wasn't rushing to see it. Whereas this, yeah, I'm a lot more interested. I don't know whether it's because I've now seen... The Force Awakens, but mm, mm. Yeah, course, it's like, um, yeah, it's like this one I'll actually try and go and see on the big screen. Yeah, and of course uh, Felicity Jones, another English actress uh, known for her work in stuff. Stuff. <laughs> I was about to say stuff. She was. She's actually. She's going to be in Inferno, which is the next. Um, what's his name novel the the man who who has all the theories it, basically he doesn't know what the illuminati actually is what's his name oh dan brown dan brown that's the one looks like it's going to be an enjoyable one i hope it's going to be an enjoyable one i th- in fact because i'm i'm kind of surrounded by star wars fans at work and it will probably be one of those things where they all go and see it they come back and say yeah it was all right but i thought it was a bit too complicated and it was a bit blah blah blah, blah. i'm kind of thinking yes right let's see you have enough mcdonald's plastic toys to go with it Mm. (laughs) yes that's the hamburg the hamburglar with a um do they still do that i've no idea is the hamburglar still a thing he's the big purple one isn't he the hamburglar menace yeah something like that yeah that's a tangent and a half i tell you this is beginning to sound like a quentin tarantino film right Anyway, what's the point of a Dan Brown film without Audrey Tattoo in it? I don't know. And what's the point of a Dan Brown film? What's the, I was going to say, what's the point of a Dan Brown film? Can we start? Can we start there? Yeah, but it did have Audrey Tattoo in it. It gives it gives us more more Tom Hanks, which in his current um, Polar it, Explorer was quite good. I never saw that actually. There you go. Was it blown you away it, it was with good, my knowledge? Yeah. I've yeah, I've never seen that actually. Oh, I must have a look at it, but uh, t- t- certainly Tom Hanks in his current, uh, in his current, um, y- you know, the the things that he's done recently, I've I've enjoyed him immensely. Um, hope he's not really aged, does he? Well, he he, I find he ages in steps because we had the we had the Dragnet era, and then we had the um, then Big. we had the Apollo thirteen era with you know Forrest Gump. He was a Apollo whole grown 13. up by that time. And then, and then, and now, now we're into the, um, you know, we're into the, the, the Dan, what's his name films and the, um, um and things like Bridge of uh, Spies. Bridge of Spies. And, and this is, yeah, that's p- particularly good. Um, CBS's new Twilight Zone reboot will be a cross between a game and a movie. Oh, did I yawn that loud? Sorry. <laughs> this story, this story from The Verge. Um, so it's, it's a screen version of Choose Your Own Adventure. We're, we're proceeding. Remember those books? We're proceeding even further into April. Not April. Um, what's the month before April? March, that's one. Yeah, no, it is April. No, it is April. No, this was recent. Um, it's um, the, the Twilight Zone is getting another reboot, uh, this time with a twist. The network has partnered with video production startup Interlude to make an interactive live-action version of the classic sci-fi series, The Rap Reports. Um, Bioshock creator Ken Levine... That's a, Bioshock is um, a, a, a modern classic. Uh, will write and direct the pilot episode, which he described to Wired as something between a film and a game. Detail details a fame. on the what a fame a fa- indeed 
or Gilm. <laughs> Details on the reboot are still vague, and it's not clear exactly how the interactive element will work. Not even they know. Um, interlude I'm not told worried the, at all. No. Interlude told the rap that viewers will be able to change and adapt the story based on what he or she feels and will be able to return repeatedly and have a different viewing experience each time. Now, <sighs> how does this stack up against just general games? I mean, games... It's just a game without any... Think other than a sounds press like, a button to go to Plan B. It sounds like a game with a TV element to me, which which just but sounds like those silly things to- that you used to put a, an enormous um, video in the thing, boot up the Acorn Risk based machine hmm. at school, and play those stupid interactive video games that starred oh, Bill Oddie. Yeah. yeah, walk, pick up brick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the. the- the thing that gets me is like if they're going to do something like this, is the Twilight Zone really a good choice? Because that's a different story every week. It's you know, largely unconnected. It's an anthology series. So, also, surely yeah. the point of these things, right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? But a point of a good story is someone writes it with a beginning, a middle, and end, and it's clever and it's witty and all the rest of it. Otherwise, it's rubbish and we don't want to know, right? So what they're doing, they're just writing... Loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of rubbish. And then, sorry, so you're directing it, you're writing it, you're deciding how it works. You're de- What's the Write point the of that? Write the feed tune, sing the feed yeah, tune. I want people that supposedly are well-trained and have loads of experience to go away yeah. and produce something for me that I sit down and go, wow. It's like buying a book and then deciding halfway through where you want it to go. Or, you know, there was a game you used to play as kids and everyone used to like, write one line of a story and then and then used to read it out at the end, you know? I don't yeah, know if you it made absolutely that, no yeah. sense, and at least two of the entries contain the word boobies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, a, a form of that, yes. And um, it does seem a little bit like that. Can't we just, can't you just write us a nice book, film, <laughs> whatever it is? Can't you just provide us with Ripper Street? Yeah, can you provide us with <laughs> what we're paying you for? You know, uh, we don't ask much. Just Ripper Street. We don't ask for much. We just no. We just ask for one of the most impressive series in living memory. Exactly. Look, if it was a game, it would make sense. Uh, not if it's supposed to be a story. I don't get this. A game in the so look. Is this thing actually going to be a game? And they're just trying to say, look, we've everyone's tried this Twilight thing. It didn't work. So uh, we're just going to try and pretend it's not just a, I mean, the thing is- a story game yeah thing is you get that with a lot of games now where it's like you know you, you'll do a section of the game and then you get a massive cut scene you know it's like you get that with so many games and it turns the game into a story it's they the do. same you know this sounds it's like a it's sto- a story the other way around story should be a story yeah you know with clever people doing clever things and if not we'll be rude about the it thing that, that, the thing the that point. i think sorry tone what you can say no no i'd finish my point oh sorry um the thing that the thing that gets me is that a lot of these modern games say, oh, yes, it's an open world, you can do what you like. Well, actually, no. No, you can't. You, you, get to choose your, you get to choose your conversation paths. And really, I mean, take a game like Mass Effect. People say, oh, yeah, it's, it's an enormous game, you can do what you like. No, you can't, because you still need to get through the pre-written script and you will mm. eventually end 
the game at some point. All you're doing yeah. is choosing to... Just chaving yeah, around you're doing to is, different points, but they're all predetermined. They're all points. predetermined, yeah. yeah. Whereas I yeah, think even, the only game, with, the only game yeah. I've ever played, sorry, Tone, um, is um, that that is completely open, completely open is um, is Elite Dangerous, or indeed the original Elite or Frontier Elite Two on the Amiga. But they're not really because they're still mapped out. There's still um, there's still a cause and effect that's predetermined. Possibly, but it's more of a elite is more of a living universe. So I suppose only if that's other between the different design, multiplayers, isn't it? Yeah, it's only if yeah. other people are designing it as you yeah. go along. Mm. Well, it's based on a uh, Fibonacci you know, sequence, I think. Yeah, well, mm. I can't see any other way. Oh, I've known about the Fibonacci, but I can't see any other. Yeah, I mean, none of these are AI, and that's what they're trying to pretend they are. Mm. You know, you, you used to little get kids' toys and you used to press one button and it used to say one thing. But, you know, after you've done it 20 times, you've, ex- you know, you, you've That's used all the different variations you possibly could have done, which was fine for a three-year-old because they wouldn't remember that. But. Yeah. I mean, even a game like sort of Grand Theft Auto, it's like there is an element where, yeah, you can go off and do what you want, but there are points where it still forces you back to the story. Eventually you have to yeah. get back to story mode. I mean, even if even if you do some of the story bits in the wrong order, you're still doing the story. You are. You're still doing the preset stuff. It's like, right, I'm going to this this area, so I'm doing this group of missions. That is that part of the story. I just did it after something else. That's all. I don't know. I don't. Look, it might be the most amazingly clever thing, but I bet it's not. I was going to say it's not going to be because it's the Twilight Zone, <laughs> and it's another reboot, another remake based on no, the old stuff that nobody Twilight wants. Zone. That matters was the noise, and that was it. Speaking of old stuff that nobody wants anymore, oh, burn! <laughs> New Doctor Who companion to be revealed like being back on, in the eighties. It was terrible to be revealed on Saturday, wasn't it? Oh god, um, just a few months ago that we said, right, there's going to be no more Doctor Who for a year. Let's not speak of it again. <laughs> until 2017 yeah. however well they gotta have time for people to find out who this is so they can hate her indeed indeed yeah zoe ball is standing by <laughs> oh to, to make one of those it's an announcement that takes five seconds turn it into a two-hour show indeed well they're the doing it in half time so they've only got they've only got 10 minutes the new Doctor Who companion will be revealed on BBC One on Saturday night. The announcement will be made during halftime of the FA Semi Cup final match. match of- FA Cup semi final. It's close. Oh, so the audience will be the same then. It'll be a hell of a crossover. Ever- apparently, um, a, a, someone called Everton is playing the Manchester United at around 1800 BST. Bronze swimming twit. The new companion will star alongside Peter Capaldi's Time Lord in the 10th season of Doctor Who. They will replace Jenna Coleman, who Boo. played Clara Oswald. She, she, she had to go. Who <laughs> yeah. left the show in 2015. She had to save her career somehow. Indeed. Uh, Coleman joined the show in 2012 and starred alongside two doctors, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. Have there been any hints dropped? Uh, you know what? Uh, do you I, care? I, I, <laughs> uh, um, look, you read this. Uh, you read it, and you went Peter Capaldi's Time Lord in the tenth season. And I, I really don't want to be like this. I absolutely don't. The moment you went tenth, my heart went. Oh, uh, yeah. 
And I was just like, why, why does, what have they done? What have they done to me? You know, um, I was having a discussion with my wife yesterday um, about uh, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, well, I'll come to why that was later. And uh, she's going, oh, didn't he do only one series of Doctor Who and then decided mm. it wasn't really like his thing and then left? He was, was one like, of the best doctors there has ever been, and he only yeah. stayed yeah, for one season. Yeah, I think he did it, and he went, oh, why? My, uh, my memory of what Doctor Who and the reality of what Doctor Who is is really very different. And I think that's why he, he went, no, nah, this isn't for me. You know, I've because brought it back. First... I've, done, I've done the hard bit. I've brought it back for him. Mm. Now let someone else be a bit silly. Mm. and Because it is intrinsically a children's show. The stupid thing is the first, the first episode came out, and then, day later, he announced he was leaving. Yeah. Um, so yeah I think at the story. time I did completely miss that. But, Sorry? Yeah. At the time I did completely miss that. That, that regeneration at the end of the series surprised me because I didn't know. Well, you didn't I, know he was I leaving? Com- oh, no. Right. And the thing yeah. is, he's never come back to it. I mean, uh, Tennant, Tennant came back for the big celebration. They keep hinting, though, don't they? It's like in that 50, especially, you see sort of someone with big ears that, uh, John Hurt regenerates into, but you never see, you know, full face, do you? Because they, they kept approaching him to do it, and he didn't want to do it. I'm not, I'm not surprised his, he didn't want to do it. Noddy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made that series very different. Mm. All those American <laughs> listeners going, what is he talking about? Yeah, <laughs> there's billions of American listeners. I don't know. It's this Saturday, isn't it? So, I've got to be honest. They've got to. They've got to get this right. Because I think Doctor Who is in a bit of a pickle. It's going to I be mean, a- I know we're going to have this argument because Tone seems to... Tone believes it's still okay. And I want it to be okay. I really do. Tone is wrong. Damn, he's here. No, no, no. I want him to be. I want him to be right. I, want no, I, I be believe okay. it's... I, no, I, I just think it's tired. Go on, go on, Tone. What's, what's, your, what's, your, what's your pitch? I don't, I don't know. I, I still enjoy it for what it is. I don't, you know, it's still, I'd still rather go back and watch the Tenant episodes a lot of the time, mm. though, I will admit. But, you know, I think now Capaldi's being given a bit more freedom to sort of turn it into his doctor, whereas that first season he was definitely still playing Matt Smith, wasn't he, really? Yeah. There is but something I, that we've never, sorry, there's something we've never really. <sighs> I don't think we ever really noticed it, but when thinking about it, I think there is a almost poison chalice of Doctor Who, right? And I'm not saying the ending of a career or anything, but there is a time span (laughs) for each incarnation and not just an actor. It's a style. And the trouble is, what happened when they had the old Doctors and it changed? When the Doctor changed... The entire show changed. The way the show looked, the way it was acted, the, the characterization of the Doctor, whatever. That's very but true. But this you... seems to have just bled. You had Eccleston at the beginning, and since Tennant, they all seem to be a version of Tennant, but not because of the actors. Because of the writing has not been dissimilar enough in between each yeah. doctor and maybe it's because they've had consistent writers through it well it's been maybe a team every hasn't time it the, I mean it's, yeah, it's, every it's time been this, this team changed. that works on it if you track if you track the start of the start of, start of Doctor Who you got William Hartnell who was playing a quite of a kind of an old an old fuddy-duddy um, yeah but doctor. I've seen some of those lately and obviously the technology is different 
But the stories and the writing was the superior. Were, yeah, and then you move on to you move on to Patrick Troughton. I think there are there are less of those available because of course yeah, they, but people they actually they say them. people that know say Troughton was by far the best Doctor. Mm. Uh, but I think it's not what people get. I think this is the point. What people get confused about isn't they see the actor and is that's what driving the Doctor. It's not. It's the writing and the direction which drives the actor. Okay. Now, this, since almost Equison's time, it seems like one long story with loads of people all playing the same character, which it never felt like before. They need mm. to, every time the Doctor changes, a whole new writing team with mm. a whole new feel. All they do mm. is they change the Doctor and they heart the TARDIS up in some other way. Well, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, change, the change between Hartnell and Troughton wasn't particularly big, apart from the, you know, the acting style and the, the, the writing and everything. But if you look at the difference between Troughton and Pertwee, yeah. per, and then from Pertwee to, um, to Baker, not, uh, yeah, Tom Baker. Yeah. And then, of course, you go from Tom Baker to... Um, uh, there's also another fundamental problem regarding what we're saying before you carry on because you're looking it up, is the companions through every one of these doctors, right? Now, I think it's... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Oh, dear. But I think it's a feminist idea, or the idea of not to offend people. that They're making... All the companions have been girls, right? And they've all been really strong characters, right? Now, what happens is when you keep that, in there, so you had Rose that went through uh, Equison to most of Tenant, right, or a lot of Tenant, because that is such a fundamentally strong companion. The the, the female companions that we've got now far stronger than they've ever been, right? That continuity means every time they change the Doctor, they're not changing enough. They're almost it's almost turned around. The companion. Since this started, the companion seems the stronger character and the Doctor is there to accommodate them. Right, And that's how it's felt. Rose was so strong. Eccleston was quite a good Doctor, but Rose was still the stronger one. By the end of Eccleston, Rose was the main character. And when they brought in Tennant, it was all about Rose doing things for the Doctor. The Doctor was always being led around and the doctor was always being taught things about humanity or things about how you should be. And then when Tennant went and Matt Smith, I mean, Tennant and the Rose thing, the, the good one was Tennant and Freemia, Freemia Aggie man, because yes. she yeah. was strong in her own way. Well, Tenant, but then she left before Tennant left. Tennant and, um, what's her name? Yeah. Oh, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, was sh I was shocked by how good she was, actually, by how good Catherine yeah. Tate was and how much of a Yeah, because foil. you knew it was a comedy thing, but and also, she'd been in that one special. But her characterisation was so different. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then you got, And then you got the one that Tone liked, the one with the long hair. Oh, I've forgotten her name now. Oh, Amy Pond. Amy Pond. Now, she obviously, she, you know, she was... Bossing the doctor around. Look, they, all these um, uh, all these companions are telling the doctor what to do, and the doctor is like some meager puppy that just does what he's told, right? So the Amy Capone comes around, and, and she's like, you know, all Spice Girls and all this nonsense, right? And so she's telling the doctor what to do. <laughs> Spice Girls. Oh, well, you know what I mean? It, it's like they're, they're trying so hard not to offend anyone, right? 
you know, all strong female leads and all the rest of it. Absolutely fine, right? But that is what has made it so, uh, you know, then you had the whole time with, who who was that? Matt Smith, okay? So then you then go to this one, um, I've forgotten her name now. How can you forget Jeremy Coleman? So you've got the Clara Oswald character that went all the way through half of Matt Smith. It was Matt Smith, was it? And then, then all the way through to Capaldi. So they've not... In the old days, you changed the Doctor, you changed the whole characters, you changed the whole writing style, you changed everything about it, well, which kept it fresh. To me, we feel I feel that we've had 10 seasons or 9 seasons of your same sort of drivel with because of the writing, right? And then the characters have just bled across each other. If you went from the first characters to the last characters, there's a difference. But it's like such a gradual bleed over that that is what I actually think. That's because you've, you've had Moffat involved you know, for a long time. I mean, even since the sort of Russell T. Davis era. And, I mean, I, I did make the point before. It's like, just because he wrote one really good episode, that doesn't mean he's, you know, going to be great to run the show and that's as it turns out that's exactly what's happened I do think the sort of you know Davis era tenant episodes were the better ones yeah. even, the, the, even the, with the, point, the stronger the stuff was, later the point I was making is, is is that if you look from you know the the, the Hartnell to Troughton to Pertwee to he's got his list ready now to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to Burton, to P- Purton. Who the hell am I? Purton is a small town just up the road from me. Uh, to uh, from Pertwee to um, to Baker to to Davidson. There was there was sorry. As a candlestick maker, indeed. Um, from to all the way to Davidson, there was crossover of you know what they called assistants. But the assistants but, were just but, assistants. Yes, they weren't running assist- the damn shop. So, between you know, for for instance, between um, between John Pertwee and uh, Tom Baker, um, they, uh, Sarah Jane was a was a, a you know a re- slightly more powerful um, uh, assistant, and of course she left. Tom Baker also had some of the assistants that Peter Davidson took on, and Peter Davidson finished off with Perry, who ended up with Colin Baker. Oh, Perry. Who, yeah, who was then binned at the end of that series, she? went into into Sylvester McCoy. And, and the um, weird one. But the thing is, the, 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 as you were saying, Alex, the, the, the Doctor is a, is a much more stronger... Is a, is much more stronger. Learn English. Um, is, is a much more... Um, you know, is, is a much bigger character, a much bigger bigger end of the plot, whereas the... the um, you know, we're going where the doctor wants to go because what? Because he he knows someone on such and such a planet, and he wants to go and visit them. Or there's been, you know, he's found some kind of rock which points him in the direction of something's horrible's going on. We're not we're not going we're not going back fifty years to seek out somebody's dad that they've lost twenty years ago, um, and, quite, but- and things like that. It's at the moment the doctor is kind of a a, a living Wikipedia. Because the um, mm. you know the assistant has the assistant has said oh let let's go over here and or whatever and oh and but oh yes yeah, I've been here before yes I I was here years ago and I was there. okay yes enough of you uh, I'm time- gonna go I'm gonna go and get myself lost in some stupid city and then I'm gonna I'm gonna cause an episode. But the timelines since you had the early days of Rose right and then I'm talking about Equiston and since there. The timeline was starting to be created by Rose because they had the bad wolf. 
that's memory. I might be right. Mm. I think it was bad. And so the timeline yeah. started being done by ta- uh, by that. The free me Aggie Man one, it was about her and her family and her sisters were involved and her family mm. were into it. Why? Never. I no, I don't no idea, right? Yeah. Then you you went to Amy Pond and the entire Amory series was all about Amy Pond and her timeline and the Doctor was running around in her timeline. And so what do they do when they finally get to uh, Clara Oswald? They don't even make a secret of it. The entire thing is about t- Clara Oswald's timeline. Mm. It's all about Clara Oswald. And the Doctor Who is actually running around now because of whatever yeah. is supposed to happen with his assistants. It's gone completely and utterly wrong. Yeah. But the, the I, th- I think that in in addition to that, you can't you, you can't um, you can't ignore the fact that the story writing was better back in the back in the days of you know Davidson even even some of the Sylvester McCoy stuff was better well, in a funny way they didn't try and be too clever no they, yeah. they simple. Said, haven't it tried was to simple, make it fun stories yeah. simple dialogue that was mostly awful um but I, was, I still think uh, you know a return to sort of the, you know, the old where they did the serials serials yeah so, yeah it's like that, a return to that kind of approach might I always help. come back to Caves of Androzani and he's burning his way back to Androzani Minor and there's this enormous shouting match which goes on you know, before the credits and it's it, it's one of the best moments in the entire series. Yeah, I, I owe it to my friend because I got her into this so I'm not going to let you stop me now and then you know, I'm shouting and screaming and then it's the uh, the closing credits it's that Star Trek The Next Generation best of both worlds cliffhanger they do not yeah. do anymore because they can't because they need they need episode after episode after episode where it's, where it's oh yes we wrap everything up nice and neatly at the end oh and by the way don't forget don't forget the little nod to the thing we're going to do in the finale yeah that's the trouble it seems so Oh, it seems so contrived. It's the right cringe worthy most of it. No, I mean, it's funny. I've been watching, re watching again Blake Seven, which incidentally, I can't believe we didn't mention Gareth Thomas dying, but, you know, that's just, you know, another actor that died far too young very recently. Wonderful actor. But I say Blake Seven. the, the writing and the story. Oh, look, let's face it. The special effects were probably the worst you'll ever see. It's one of those shows where they actually stuck keyboards on the screen on uh, on the wall sideways. You know, and they didn't they bother did that changing in Red the Dwarf bu- as well. Yeah, they, did. they didn't bother changing <laughs> yeah. the buttons or anything. They just did yeah. it right. Um, <laughs> they had old but, Amiga four, uh, well, Amiga uh, Amiga two thousand keyboards. Yeah, Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> Say no wonder Holly was so. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, the way they wrote them, it was story first. It was mm. even every episode. I mean, there was obviously the serverland thing, and then the, you know, the whole thing that ran through it, and the whole point of the story that ran through it. But every story was a separate story. They went somewhere. They did something. They shot at people. They went there. They did something else. Something else happened. Something. It wasn't just about. It was see, Doctor Who's almost like a romance without sex. It's about the romance between the Doctor and his his companion. I mean, it it is a love story, and it all and it has been since this started. It's been, it, and this is Doctor Who. Uh, you know, by all means, do a Doctor Who love story or whatever you want to do. But this is what it is. It's just to do. It's 
It's not a fatherly figure anymore. It's more of um, almost a dirty old man with a quite cute assistant figure. <laughs> a dirty nine-year-old, well, nine yeah, year I mean, old man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, even in the sort of you know the Catherine Tate year, they sort of you know they had that point where they they went all out to to have him going. I don't want anything. I just want a mate. <laughs> and then she yeah. takes it wrong. She hears it wrong. It's like no, no, a mate, a friend, not. It's like they kind of hammered that one a little bit too much, maybe. But yeah. but one of the reasons that worked as well is because they brought in her granddad. Yes, you know, and and that was who had also been a character in, in one of the other Christmas specials. A different yeah, but one yeah, it was. One she but, appeared what it, in. but what it did, it yeah. it broke up the pattern. You know, it, it it took it completely away from this almost like I say love story. Yet this this old man that was like almost like a proper companion getting everything wrong all the time, sitting there going, well, what should we do? You're the doctor, you work it out. You know, and it was like real. And it was like, that's why that worked. Because I, I, mean, I know we're, okay, the new Doctor Who companion will be revealed on Saturday. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't, it doesn't stop the fact. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, uh, yeah. Do you reckon it's the girl that played the one that says she's not going to do it? The one that was... Um, the, the cloned assistant. Do you remember the one? The one that was uh, in Throne of Games? or uh... No, no, no. In Doctor Who, she was the one that had the uh, the um, asthma pump. Oh, her. Oh. Because she's denied oh, she's going to do it, which makes me think she's going to do I it. I do hope not, because she's yeah. annoying. She I, went from being I, brilliant to annoying. Yeah, I'd rather have Game of Thrones go. I'd rather something. have Game of Thrones go, because then she'd <laughs> give Peter Capaldi a run for his money. But then oh. again, you've got such a strong... Anion. I mean, she was good. She was good, yeah. But again, she's too good for Doctor Who. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I've got this. I mean, as 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 you've already said, Alex, I've got the whole list of doctors up in front of me on Google at the moment. Everyone from Tennant, Smith, Capaldi, McGann, Baker, Eccleston, Baker again, um, uh, Pertwee, Trout, McCoy, Davidson, Hartnell, Atkinson, obviously, uh, Hugh Grant, uh, Joanna Lumley. Uh, Cushing and uh, Richard E. Grant and um, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Joanna Lumley, as Rich, the- <laughs> Richard E. Grant and Jim Broadbent, who of course played uh, who have played the Doctor in uh, various audio adventures, and uh, Atkinson, Grant, Lumley, uh, all played him in the um, in a, a special uh, comic relief episode. But um, you know, the even if you even if you look at the episode, I, I th- I've I've said this before. Even if you look at the episode that Paul McGann did, it's still better. The most of the stuff we get now, but because again, the, doc, because the doctor is the, the doctor is the leading character. Yeah, but look yeah. at the writing. It was it was that a one off. It was a one off. Yeah, because it was they, supposed they to. That was like supposed a five to be five year break, and then they did that, and then they had another five year break. It was so, supposed to be that was supposed to be the pilot for a new series that was supposed to be produced in mm. the states, and it was it was better. It well, was, because it it's not good. the same writing. It's no. I mean, look, I, I I've been watching Coupling. Right, I don't know if I mentioned. I don't know. But anyway, I've been watching Coupling. And Stephen Moffat wrote that. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. And then you went and wrote Doctor Who. I I can think I can see a problem in there. And can we please turn the the music down? Because this old man can't cope with it anymore. No, because I'm sick of of loud music in BBC BBC shows, actually. Loud music. Generally. Lots of it. Too much of it, in fact. If you listen to the stuff that's produced on, I mean, if you listen to, I don't know, stuff like Bosch 
um, and uh, oh, know, House really of Cards. Actually, it? listen to Ripper Street because that has a really it has a, it has a thumping soundtrack and, and lots of pl- plenty of music in it. But oh, it's mixed it's, properly, isn't it's, it? It's it's done. It's written. It's written with some, and I hesitate to say this. It's written with some class. There are moments. There are moments of silence, and there are moments of you know just one, you know one or two violins or something like that, or um, or a, a, a small string section, and that's all we need. For instance, the whole section when uh, oh dear, the whole section where Reed is uh, spoiler alert, where Reed is reintroduced to his daughter. That's all oh, done. That's okay, that's long enough ago. We can have that. That's yeah. all done in res- relative silence. If that was done in Doctor Who, we'd have. Thousands of sampled choirs. We'd have a, a whole bank. <laughs> and then, like and then break off. into guitar in the <laughs> We'd have a whole, ba- yeah. We'd have a whole bank of bloody sampled organs, sampled this, sampled that, and it all sounds crap. I'm terribly sorry, but that's the way it is. Can we please get someone else in to do the music, please? Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the the plea I'd have to end this is why we have keep keep making the event of these announcements about you know the new companion the new doctor they turn it into a whole show it's like, oh, that's uh, another conversation altogether that could be just a you know a state you know just a new you know press statement what they want to do they want to turn up on the one show and say oh got peter capaldi exactly a five, five what you got oh, yeah. oh i just want to introduce yeah. you to this person here and they'll come on and they'll go what's she go, oh, she's my new companion and we go oh that's nice I tell you what, nine times out of ten, I can't stand the one show, but that would be the perfect place for it. Yeah, you yeah. can watch five <laughs> minutes. See it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones can just sit there and grin, and then yeah. they can get on with something indeed. about you know the biggest ever crochet doily or indeed. something. Indeed, indeed, it's a, yeah, brilliant. Right, there you go. put the world to rights there. There what we go. Oh, I got no. Yeah, I got loud about music. Actually, you got loud about complaining about music being loud, so that also makes you a hypocrite. <laughs> I suppose. It's time to move into what we have been watching, reading, listening to, or reading this week. Alex, you created this, didn't you? I know. I, told, I wrote the word what, and then that came up and I left it. <laughs> what have we been watching, reading, listening to, or reading this week? So, two books each, everybody. <laughs> oh, actually, I've bought about six books in the last week, so I could really adore you, but I won't. Tone, tone. We will uh, because you have something particularly juicy in your uh, in your list. Um, Small ones more juicy. <laughs> uh, what what what's what's in your list, sir? I have finally seen The Force Awakens. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, you'll get over it. What? <laughs> no. no ah. As someone who wasn't massive on on Star Wars before, I did think this was. Probably the best one, probably my favourite. Why? And if even the originals, even if it is kind of a remake of you know Episode Four. So like, no, I like what they did with it. It's, you know, I mean, it, it is a thing J.J. Abrams was practicing for with Star Trek. That is so so clear. But you know, I mean, I mentioned it earlier with the Rogue One trailer. It's like I'm actually interested in going to see Rogue One at the cinema off the back of that trailer and this. Yeah, so yeah, I did enjoy it. I could say even if it was a remake, sort of. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a. It, come on, it was better than those three prequels. Look, the two new characters. I fell asleep both during the third new one. Characters and they were the second both one. Good actors, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, give them that. Uh, what's his name? John Boyega. Did Boyega. I make that up? Yes. Lying I'm, I'm not Daisy even reading Ridley. this. 
Not even reading this. Now, both of those I was very impressed with. They've got some real good uh, screen... What's Chem- the word I'm looking for? Chemistry. Yeah, uh, chemistry as well. They, they do work together yeah. very well. Um, I personally felt bring back the old characters, let it down a bit. I think it was it was doing a bit better without them. Now, I understand why they needed to bring them back. Right? I'm not yeah. going to make any spoilers here. I can see why they needed to bring it back to just give it some context. Yeah, they needed to let right? Harrison Ford out of his contract from the start. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, I don't think they'll be there going forward in the next... No, and, and the funny thing is I think yeah. it will be better for that. Yeah. But um, did I enjoy... Look, you know what? Second time round, after seven or eight attempts of trying to get through it, I actually... Oh, I'll be honest, I fell asleep. But then I did rewind it back to roughly where I fell asleep and I managed to get through it. And it's a long film. It's a really long film, actually. Yeah, it, that's what surprised me about it. That was the most... Yeah, probably surprising thing how long it, and I could even put with, up that, with the massive holes it. in the story, enormous mm. holes in the story. Mm. Um, and it, look, second times around, but again, it was one of those things. It was see, look, I don't think Bob, Star Wars bothered hyping it. I think people, certain people, were so desperate to see this, it didn't matter yeah. what it was going to be like. They were going to hype it beyond belief. Yeah, I think it's a good starting point. I think they've got no excuse for the second film not to be a lot better. Mm. Mm. But so, I do like the robot. He's really cute. He's brilliant. He's the probably best. the best character. Again, like, like in the originals, R2-D2 is probably the best character. Best bit of the lot. And I knew, I well, I had, my, I, 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 had a, I had a theory that he may end up being the Jar Jar Binks of the, of the series, but I kind of knew no, when they it. did the uh, Star Wars, big Star Wars meetup, a couple of years ago, and they had R2-D2 came out on stage, and J.J. Abrams said, oh, yeah, but we've got a new one, and BB-8 rolls out on stage, and it's and you suddenly see that it's a you know, it's a practical effect, and he's kind of spinning around, he's, he's going around R2-D2 looking up at him and, uh, and things yeah. like that. I was kind of thinking, yeah, he's probably going to be something pretty special. In fact, he, he will probably, he, you know, he could probably have, a, have his own franchise. Right, can I tell you two big problems with basic things with that film though eventually mm-hmm. we'll get round to tone's review of the film no 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 because we can't say too much that's the trouble <laughs> i've pretty much covered it to be honest oh fair yeah. enough okay yeah the new baddie, i really enjoyed it the new baddie we've seen his face too early right the one thing about darth vader you gotta remember is you didn't know what was underneath that helmet and there was three films of him really 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 being scary yeah right? he's a bit like he's a bit like the original alien Really, because you never see in that first film. You see, yeah, you, don't, you see its claws, you see its really head. Don't really and that's see about it. it. You don't darkness. see any of its anything else. But th- this character, once he took his helmet off, it's a pretty young boy, and you're like, "Yeah, well, there you go. I'm really not scared of you. No matter what you do with your superpowers, I'm not scared of you." Oh, that damn. was probably what let it down. If anything, it's, it's you got to remember, Darth Vader. All he had to do was his breathing noise, and you were terrified. Absolutely the universe, the universe quaking. is being held hostage by an underwear model. Damn, and the 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 supreme golem or whatever it was, the supreme golem. I think were episode title. But you know that was just it, it was cartoon character time. Do you know what I mean? When you go back to but the original start, you, you know, still had you that go, with Yoda though. You, you, yeah, Yoda no, not so much character. that. If you look at the original, um, whoever Darth Vader looked up to, I can't think of his name. The Emperor. He was. He was. Yeah. Human size, or you know, 
whatever we called as humanoid size, right? He was creepy, but he was real. He you was. could see, you could see this wizardy witchy type thing being real in a nightmare. The thing that they had in this was as real as the pilot in blooming Firefly, not that one, whatever the other one was. Farscape. Farscape. Yeah. You know, it was almost like, oh, what have they mm. done? That that is just a that's a fundamental stupid flaw. And I just thought. You know, your baddie is not bad. Your baddie is a cute bloke wearing a... Puppet. Yeah, you're wearing a mask for two minutes. CGI, yeah. And then you got this weird blobby golem thing sitting there going, you know, being ten times larger than life, going, bring him to me. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake. This is this is bad. This is this is fundamental stupidity. Mm. It's, it's the, funny. The two it started, new characters, I think, are very, very good. Very, very fine acting as well. It's strange mm. that the whole film, when it started, uh, you know, it starts with the 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 whole, you know, that village being, you know, yep. shot up and things, and and Kylo Ren kind of stopping a, you know, stopping a blaster bolt in mid mid air, and I and and it was at that point I was thinking, oh. Oh, perhaps I've misjudged this. This this could that be was the yeah. best bit, though. This could be good, actually. And then it's kind of <laughs> from there on. I mean, it's awful. What a shame. I hope it get better. So do mm. I. Meanwhile, but, you know, I, I, it, I would say I mean, JJ. It, sorry, just quickly say I'd say JJ Abrahams didn't actually do a bad job at all. Though I think, given what he was given, I think that was as about as good as you're going to get out of it. Possible, possible. But that, that's I didn't the think thing. I'd be saying like, that. Mm. Mm. I mean, someone who was never massive on the original trilogy is like, you know, that's probably where where I've got that slightly different perspective on this. But the original trilogies were frightening. I was really even now as as a you know I'm 22 now. Even now, (laughs) you're all grown up. Yeah, 22 years later. Yeah, when I watch Star Wars, the original ones, when Darth Vader comes on breathing in his black shiny helmet and. Mm. I'm scared. He he sends shields down my spine, and it's a scary character. There is nothing scary about this bloke. It's it's like mm. some kid we we've uh, we you know went to the toy shop and bought a a, a knockoff Darth Vader outfit, yeah. and that's what it feels like. Anyway, I'm going to stop it because mm-hmm. of, I know people like it, but I'm annoyed because I think it's it was close to working really well. Tone, we're on to uh, part one of three of your list. Um, let's let's yeah. proceed to part two. <laughs> I went to see London Has Fallen, which was a sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. Mm. Uh, it is sort of just action. It's I'd, I'd almost compare it to Die Hard. The original was Olympus Has Fallen was basically Die Hard in the White House and on a slightly lower budget. Um, <laughs> this one, this one, they tried to up the scale by. You know, making it happen across a city. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, it's because uh, it, it, I mean it's uh, sort of uh, slightly sensitive subject because it's basically about a terrorist attack on London and mass one on sort of many sort of well-known landmarks mm, mm. and and all happening while many world leaders happen to be in the city. Um, you know, in a sort of very yeah the the setup for that part wasn't. Was irrelevant, really, but uh, yeah, it's, it's you know have a reason to have a lot of important people, and then and then focus on the American one and him being saved, brilliant, basically. But, but yeah, it was uh, it's just 
sort of mindless action disaster. It was quite good for that. You know, you wouldn't look for anything else in a film like that, to be honest. Um, so on that front, as a as a popcorn thing, you know, it's like something you just watch on a, as a spectacle on a big screen. Yeah, it was really good for that. You didn't have to, you know, not one you had to think about. And you know, um, again, same as the first one is, you know, the Olympus has fallen. That was, like I say, die hard effectively in the White House. And this followed on from that. It, this was more the sort of when Die Hard started getting even more ridiculous. You know, the sort of, not the third one, the fourth and fifth ones. <laughs> so I think it was probably trying to be that, to be honest. Um, and the last thing on my list <laughs> um, is Danger Five, which is on Netflix. It's an American, uh, no, sorry, not American, Australian comedy. And it's basically a parody of things like Man from Uncle and all, all sort of 60s, 70s spy shows. And it's it goes it gets very weird because it's it's meant to be surreal and it, yeah it's actually quite funny I think I only saw one season of it on Netflix but there is another somewhere I don't know whether that's coming to Netflix soon but yeah I enjoyed it for what it was because it threw, threw in all the little sort of spy parody things and <laughs> and it it sort of showed up yeah you know, it's like the things that you know if you look at the original Man from Uncle now you know there's some things if it was someone brand new to it watching it now you know they might think oh that that's ridiculous and this is exactly what that's sending up and it works so well as a send-up alex what's on your list sir on my list right okay first one's quite important it's not really it's only important to me and lots of other people but anyway it, it's called the a word right and the a word i'm not gonna be surprised is uh stands for autism okay because oh, so uh, sequel to the l word then no, no, what it was, it's, it's the A word. It's like it's a swear word, you know, autism. And, you know, when your family first finds out you've got a child with autism, blah, 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 right? Um, I'll start off. It's a family. They're in, in Cumbria, I think. And um, they have an elder daughter and then a younger son. And the younger son's behavior is just starting to, he's about five or so, and just starting to be flagged up as being a bit odd right. anyway it turns out he's then diagnosed with autism and it's about it, it's about the family how the schooling works obviously how it affects the child how it affects the rest of the family the greater family how people do help how other people don't help and the reaction you get and the, and no i mean I, you know there's no point in me mentioning this i, I you know i have an autistic son and that's why i watch it um, I've got very involved in it. Um, it, it it's, it's like putting a mirror on everything we've been through. Mm. And in, in some way, and everything everyone goes through, it's not just about us, you know, everyone has got to deal with this on a, in any way. And that's what, and that's what it is. But it's been done so, so well, so sensitively, uh, really honestly, because there's a lot of it. That's, that's, it's okay. It's fine. There's a lot of it that's funny, and there's a lot of it that's just about love. But there's so much about it. It's frustrating and hard and heartbreaking and and worrying. I know there's a million things you can go on about, but this this hits it. This hits the the mark. And I mean, I followed it on Twitter, and I wrote to the screenplay writer who instantly wrote back. And I've had a dialogue through every episode with him. Mm. Um, some of the, the the actors have, you know, written back. People are taking it seriously. People have gone, you know what, this is this is important. And it's done really well. And 
but the thing is, it, it's it's got reaction. Now, the thing is, I don't know if there's only people that are living or have this in their life that's watching this show, but the reaction by these people has all been incredibly positive. And, uh, you know, is it making people more aware? Well, it must make a few people more aware. Oh, but I don't know how many yeah. people would be watching it otherwise. Anyway, so there, there's some really fine acting. Some, like, there, there's this Max Vento, and he's he's the boy that plays Joe, the autistic kid. And I, I think he's only six, this kid. I Mind-blowing, doesn't cover it. I mean, fair enough, he's playing an autistic character, so the... You know, the communication part of it isn't that great, but it's spot on. Absolutely wow. I mean, if this kid never does anything else in his life, acting-wise or any other way, <laughs> yeah. he's achieved, you know? Um, I mean, Lee Ingleby's in it. He's really good. I like him from um, George Gently. Oh, yes. But there's it's you know, you see a family, and Molly Wright, this is her first job. She's a 16-year-old. She plays the older sister. They're great. But you've got big characters in it. You, I mean, Christopher Eccleston, this is why I mentioned him, he plays the grandfather. Um, oh, I've forgotten the girl's name. Uh, Vinette Robinson. Now, she's from Sherlock. Do you know her? Uh, I, she, I, the, I'll tell you what, the name rings a bell, actually. She's the one, the police officer, the forensic one, that hates Holmes. Yes, you know, I, I know, yeah. The girl that really can't stand him and calls yes, him the yes, psychopath. The priest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the freak, and he turns around and says, "I'm not a psychopath. Yeah. I'm a sociopath." I'm a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's really good, and there's lots of there's lots of people you've seen in other things, but it's an extraordinarily good program. Um, from my think, it's actually taken. Been obviously, screenplay has to be rewritten because I think it's an Israeli show. Really, and it was done in Israel a little while ago, and um, obviously I had to rewrite bits of it because it just wouldn't fit and work but um you know i'm really really impressed by it. every week there's a slightly new aspect of it and anyone that's living with this in their life they're gonna they're gonna watch this and you know what you, in a funny way you go oh thank god it's not just us mm. you know and it's not just us that feels like that you know, and it's not just us that feels like that puts so much pressure on you as a family group. You know, and it's just like, oh, it's just like, I don't know, it's like a blessed relief that somebody has gone out there and gone, you know what, your frustrations and whatever, it's completely normal. Nothing wrong with you. You're doing a good job. Just get on with it. So anyway, that's called the A word. Um, superb piece of work. And it's just a superb piece of work if, if you just want a drama. You know, um, not an enormous amount happens, but enormous amount doesn't need to happen. It, it's, it's, you know, like I say, it's all about the writing. Well, there you go. Proof of pudding and all that. Right. An ITV drama. I can't believe I'm saying this. Right? <laughs> I don't normally watch ITV. Now, I always read, and I've mentioned it before, actually, through other reasons. I've always read Gerald Durrell books. Now, ITV have got a new adaptation of... There was three main Gerald Durrell books that he did about his growing up in Corfu. And um, what this is, it's called The Durrells. I think it's a six-parter. And it's just like a amalgamation of stories from those books. And it's just that. It's, it's another Gerald Durrell 
family story. But this one isn't just about Gerald. All the others were like really about Gerald and a bit about the rest of the family, but are based around him as the younger boy. But this seems to be, I like this. This is based really about his mother, Louisa Durrell, and her struggle to bring up a family as a single mother because their father had died with virtually no money other than a widow's pension in a country where they don't speak the language and they don't know anyone and crazy, silly things happen. And, you know, it's quite charming and quite... You know, and all that sort of thing. Uh, Keely Hawes plays the mother, which is never a bad thing, is it? No. Uh, and that, I've got to admit, that that was my starting point. She's um, Matthew McFadden's wife. I know. I know. I'm just thinking those kids are going to be either very good actors or very good looking. Yeah. Possibly Probably both. Possibly both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a link, isn't there? So, yeah. anyway. I, I, Great I together think, in spooks. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think they, um, and just in general, this thing has been, I think there's a six-parter again, I think, and I think this is, oh, we've got to episode three, but it's very charming. It's really nice. It's the same story that, you know, it's been told a thousand times, but it's done in a slightly different way. So it's more just about them as a family and the mother's struggle, but it's not a mother, you know, it's not a woe is me type struggle. It, it's very comical, it's very silly, it's very it's slightly jolly hockey sticks, and it's just really nice, and it's a really nice thing. Um, you know, this is one of those things, when it's done, I will definitely be buying a DVD set, because being on ITV, I can't stand all the adverts and rubbish. Um, but when it's done, I, really, I probably will give it a while so I haven't seen it, and then just watch the whole thing through. Obviously not six episodes but just you know episode at a time no breaks just see it as a work in six parts because i'm really enjoying it and it's really nicely acted and the the little boy in it uh, his name might be callum woodhouse i have no idea i've just got callum woodhouse but i don't know because i haven't got a picture i don't think it is actually i think the little boy is someone else and i can't see because the picture's too small oh milo parker so it is him that's the guy he was the boy that played with, you know, Mr. Holmes that came out last year? Yes. He was the little boy in Mr. Holmes. Uh, he was really good in Mr. Holmes. And he's really sweet and good in here as well. He, he can't be very old. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying that. Um, I heartily advise you to watch it. Okay, we've got a final one which you're going to mention, so I don't have to. Now, what what happened a little while ago is I got hold of Elementary on DVD, and I had a few saved on the TV and whatnot. But So I decided Elementary, I'm going to start it again, which is, if you like, the American Sherlock. Okay? Um, I, I only ever watched Elementary as it went, and occasionally I'd watch an old one or whatever, but in general I'd just watch it, one after the other, maybe take a break, watch three in a row because I hadn't seen it for a month or whatever. Anyway, I started again, and it's a statement. I will categorically say this is far, far superior to the British version. (laughs) Now, bearing in mind they do 24, they're like, I suppose in America they're an hour long, but here obviously we don't have so many adverts, and especially when you get it on DVD, it's about 40-something minutes. And, um, okay, so anyone that doesn't know, 
Johnny Lee Miller plays Sherlock, and Lucy Liu plays Joan Watson. Okay, the the writing is superior. The acting is different. It, I say, it's not better or worse. It's it's different, but they give you so much in a season. Twenty four episodes, I think. Right. And, you know, some of the stories are weaker than others, but there's there's layers to this, which we just, you don't get. This is a modern adaptation of Sherlock, but just by taking the premise and the idea and then running with it. And it's superb. I'm watching it again, and I think it's even better than I thought it was. And normally when I watch something like this again, I go, oh, actually, there's a flaw in there or this, that, and the other. <laughs> no. The characters are strong. They're, they're very... Joan Watson is a lot stronger ca- uh, character than James Watson ever was, or John Watson, because he had two names in the original, right? Um, much stronger character. She's, you know, she's a, she's a strong personality in her own right, and she's uh, becoming a or does become through the series, a strong detective in her own right. Okay, he relies on her. He relies on her skills. You know, he's flawed. He's a recovering drug addict. That's how she comes in. She's his um, companion or whatever, you know, to try and keep him clean. Um, there's family involved. There's, there's reality involved. And there's lots of emotion in here. And there's lots of fact that he can't, share things and doesn't understand things and he rubs people up the wrong way but he's trying to be different there's, there's so many levels of this that just you don't get in a British version of Sherlock and um, you know if you haven't ever watched it I don't, I, I don't know where you get it from I'm sure if you have Sky you can probably watch it on I think it's called Sky Anytime which means you can they have these things as I don't know what they call them they basically you can just watch them like stream them whenever you want but I, I would say anyone that hasn't seen this and you've got any even if you're not particularly to Sherlock and you just like detective stories this has got it's got detective stories and you know they're quite well written and they're quite clever but it, it's got um, it's got something levels and layers of it so much more than you, you'd normally get and you know well they're coming up to the end of season four now so you've you got the best part of a hundred episodes to get through mm. it'll keep you going for a while i promise you it's it's something that i'm yet to yet to actually see a single second of actually um and i'm thinking of uh, perhaps i don't know perhaps buying a season on on amazon or well it must come along to netflix or amazon or saying it before it should long. come onto netflix or amazon at some point but it's whether uh, I want to wait. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I, honestly, it's this. It's, it's it's really weird. I mean, it, there is comical bit, and you know, I, I'm going to say something. This is really weird because it has got no real link. But I get the same vibe off it as I got off, and we mentioned it before, which was uh, Serenity or Firefly, whichever one. Firefly. It's it's almost like something that isn't as big as it should be. But when you actually discover it, you're like, oh, wow, how the hell did I miss this? But the difference with this doesn't get cancelled after 10 episodes or whatever it is. It's, you know, and I can't, you know, as long as the actors want to carry on making it, then I can't see why. There's not many main characters in it. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's 
there's more or less a twist on their. They look back at the old stories, and they go, "That's the main character. We've got to have like for instance Moriarty. You've got to have a Moriarty." But the twist on Moriarty is superb. <laughs> One of the best. I mean, when I saw that coming, I was like, "Oh my god, that is brilliant!" But they didn't. They didn't flog it for a season. They didn't do a Doctor Who. It was in, done with, gone. Maybe over two or three episodes, right? It, it, there's bits of this. I'll tell you what, there's bits of this. Uh, almost with Ripper-esque, you've got, you got tears in your eyes. You're going, oh, my word. It, it gives you an emotion which you wouldn't, you don't get with Sherlock Holmes. And some of it is an emotion of him not being able to understand emotion. So it's, it's really, really, really clever. And, you know, hats off. I mean, fair enough. The main character's English, so it's bound to be good. Oh, but indeed, indeed. Wasn't he, wasn't he married to that lunatic woman that's married to... Um, <laughs> that lunatic to, woman. Uh, oh, what's his name? Meant to be the most handsome woman in the world. Um, actor. Oh, and he was married to Jennifer Aniston for a while. Oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, isn't he... What's his wife called? Oh, dear. Um, uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I think... I think Johnny Lee Miller used to be married to Angela Jones. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, about three years, apparently. See, look, I got there eventually, somewhere in the back of the depths of my mind. Mm. And look, he got over that, and look what he's achieved. Loads of things. Mm. Well, there you go. There there you go. go. Anyway, I, I'm not going to say anymore because the last one you've watched, so I will leave that to you. Well, let's move on to um, what I've been watching. And the first thing on the list is, of course, Daredevil season two on Netflix. Uh, yeah, it's um, it got a bit. Well, I was about to say it got a bit nasty this series, but it was nasty the last series, and it it wasn't entirely um, uh, repulsive. It, it was um, it was. I mean, it's 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 very you know, it's fantastically acted, and it's um, yeah, the story's great. This is the one where they introduce uh, the Punisher, who I'm sure will be brought in for a later series. They introduce um, uh, Elektra as well. and um, Wow, didn't they? They did. She's very good. And uh, which, which brings me to a point. Um, I actually had to, because I had, I had abandoned Jessica Jones. Um, yeah. I, I, I had completely abandoned it because I just wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it. It, just, it didn't have the same level of quality and general, just, you know, the, the magnet that this has to bring you back for the next episode. Or indeed, have you sat in your chair for 10 hours on a Saturday and have you watched the whole damn thing? Um, it, I had to, I mean, basically, I, I watched two episodes of the new series of Daredevil, enjoy them immensely, and I thought, hang on a minute, just a second. I think I ought to just watch the rest of Jessica Jones just to get, to, just, just to get rid of it. And I watched the rest of Jessica Jones. Basically, Kristen Ritter, I could take her or leave her, really. I wasn't particularly impressed at all. Um, uh, David Tennant, fantastic. Um, Carrie-Anne Moss, never really liked her in anything. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that that series can go away and never come back, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Although it has been renewed. But Daredevil Season 2... Fantastic work. I mean, they've got um, John John Bernthal who plays uh, he plays the Punisher. I mean, he's he's fantastic. And uh, alongside Elodie uh, Elodie Young who plays um, 
Electra, the two new characters, and Scott Glenn makes a makes a welcome return um, as a, a stick. As the, as the lunatic. As the lunatic. <laughs> it gets to levels, the same kind of levels that that made um, Captain America the Winter the Winter Soldier as enjoyable as it was. You know, it gets to that mm. kind of deep. Oh, oh, God, yeah, this is. This this doesn't sit right with me. All of this stuff. <laughs> you know, oh, you're um, never comfortable. There's no point in losing you feeling comfortable. comfortable. Jessica Jones never got never got that far that far down for me. People like Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, character, the you know, kingpin. He has his reasons for doing what he does, and he is uh, he, he is trying to do the best for his people. But he's he's a, he's a nasty piece of work, and it's just the the whole thing. The whole thing's brilliant. What do you think, Alex? Uh, first of all, I mean, that Electra character mm. is excellent. Yeah. The no, Punisher character is, is brilliant. It, it, it's the, it's the fight. It's funny enough, it's, I mean, the Daredevil, he's the only one without a fight internally. He's the only one that knows why he's doing what he's doing. Kind of, yeah. yeah and all the others are... Well, they kind of... They kind of went through that in the first series, I think, his sort of internal... He did, yeah. Didn't he, they? He, ends you know, up, he ends up being the character so that they draws them all together that. in the best yeah. sense. Yeah. But, um, you know, Electra is... Wow, what a riddle. A brilliantly... I mean, again, really, really well... Really well acted and a brilliant foil for him. Because you've got, you know, you've got two characters coming to the same thing from completely different sides... Working together for completely different reasons, um, <laughs> you know, having a past and can't quite work out if they should have a future. Um, you know, and then you got the Punisher that he's a victim. It reminds me of the early Rambo's. You know, he, he he's. He, he's doing what he's doing from somewhere inside you. You think, oh, I understand that. That's not me and I wouldn't do that. But, but if someone else did, I could probably see why. You know? I mean, I know it's a story, so that makes it more palatable. And, uh, you know, all of them, um, you know, there's, there's very few characters in that. You know, maybe there's, say, six main characters and all of them have got really strong part. They've all got a real strong reason for being there. There isn't a, there isn't a weak part of the storyline. Mm. Um, some of the, I'll say, some of the baddies were a little bit cliched, but it's it's almost like that nineteen sixties Batman type cliche. I think it's actually meant to be. Mm. You know, it's a foil. You know, when something's hard and gritty and quite violent, it's almost a foil for it sometimes to have people that are slightly ridiculous. And I'm really glad they brought back, um, and I've forgotten his name now, but, the, you know, the bald-headed guy that was in Series 1. Vincent, and was, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, and I'm really glad they brought him back and made him a a really important Part. I mean, only at the end of it, when he came back in it, I was like, uh -huh, I knew there was a reason. But it was like right at the end of it, and then you go, ah, who, who's the daddy again? And it's really, really interesting. You know, I mean, you see the end of the first one. It was a, The first series was a real struggle to 
get to the end. Not a struggle for us to get to the end of the series. It was a real struggle for Daredevil to get to that end of that, mm. to get to where he was that ended that last series. And you felt, you know, there was an achievement in that. At the end of this, there is no achievement. At the end of this one, it's, okay, well, it was difficult before. Now all hell's going to break loose. And so season three is all about now hell's going to break loose. You know, it's just all building up to something quite fantastic. And, and you know, as, he, as in Jess, Jessica Jones, I can sort of see what is missing. I, I uh, like I say, I, I found there was a dip in the middle, but then I sort of got into hmm. the dark side of the story. You say David Tennant. David Tennant was good. Mm, I think he was the best thing about it. But if you don't have sympathy for Jessica Jones, which I didn't at first, and that's why I was struggling with it. <laughs> I, I have no, sim- no sympathy for her. <laughs> no. But you, f- when you sort of thought, actually she's a victim and she's mm. desperately unhappy and she desperately doesn't want to relive what made her unhappy, but she has to confront that to be of any use, I think. I, I don't know where Jessica Jones will go. They need to. They need to bring something, uh, something in for her to be more in a psychological fight. You know, they need to make more use of her, her super strength power. Because let's face it, in the first series, the fact that she had super strength was completely irrelevant. Didn't do anything. I mean, you know, she thumped a few people, but you didn't need super strength to do that. It was just a. Look, I mean. Uh, when it comes out, I will watch it. Um, I did actually try. I mean, the point I'd say is I did try and restart Jessica Jones about a month ago. Say, okay, well, let's get back. And I got through halfway through episode one and I think I got distracted and I never went back. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. And one day I'll do it. I will start again it's, and get yeah, through it. It's just but Daredevil, no, I've gone Daredevil. And next thing I know, it's like, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. I've got to get up at 6.30. <laughs> If I don't go to sleep now, there's no point in me going to work tomorrow. And then and that's different. And then, I don't know, Daredevil 2, Daredevil 1 was a real surprise to me because I'd never seen anything like that. It, I'm new to all this. You lot, you've lot have done it to me and you've now made me as weird as you lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Mission and you did complete. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am now, I'm, my soul has been... <laughs> Gone. Well, but there you go. <laughs> the Devil Two. It, it. Well, I mean, I, I'm really glad I don't know what's coming next. Whereas you guys go, oh, well, you've heard of the Punisher, or you've heard heard of Electra, or, or Alexa, or whatever her name is, Electra. Uh, Alexa and, is a uh, is is yeah. an artificial intelligence available from Amazon at a very at only, a very reasonable price. Only in America, but um, yeah, you be you know when I don't know what's coming. I think that's so much more exciting because mm, mm. it's all completely new to me. And then I mentioned it to someone like Carl that's always read these things. He goes, oh, yeah, she's this. And, oh, yeah, he's that. And I'm like, yep. yeah, but you think <laughs> good that you know that. I think it's excellent that I don't know, and it's all brilliantly new to me. Indeed. Mm. Well, something that, something else that was new to me was uh, was Guardians of the Galaxy, which I decided to watch this this weekend. Um, it, it brilliant, fantastic, 
absolutely yes. uh, just a, a blast from beginning to end. I Is can't that the believe, one with a big rat in it? Yeah, I can't believe I didn't but, watch yeah. it before, and I'm heartily. I, I I heartily appreciate its 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 thing. Yeah. I'm glad I bought it on Amazon for a very yeah. reasonable price of. Uh, well, actually, it was twelve pounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah. and I'm looking forward to volume two. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. fantastic. I, that, that was one where I I was I watched it on DVD. And it's like, oh yeah, I regretted not going to see yeah. it in the cinema. I think it's well, I think it about took, the same film. It took everyone by surprise that yeah. uh, that film did. Mm. It was, yeah, it took me by surprise. I thought it was absolutely... It was like, it was like the, <laughs> the non-Marvel Marvel, wasn't it? It was yeah, something yeah. different, but still yeah. in Marvel. Is this the one that starts off with a kid with the uh, the tape playing? Yeah. Okay. We are talking about the same film. We are talking with... The, with well, obviously, Raccoon, my yeah. training, obviously, my training is not complete, then. Well, obviously. Maybe no, perhaps I, I'm, I'm still fighting for this. Like it's got to be good before I'll enjoy it. I think. Indeed, in, indeed so, <laughs> indeed so. Right. Uh, the next thing I watched I ended um, up in some weird prison type thing. Was some <laughs> next thing. Next thing I watched was uh, something that you um, you watched recently. In fact, you saw this at the cinema. Tone Bridge of Spies. I uh, I I bought this. <laughs> As well, it didn't Amazon. have a giant rat in it, did it? No, it didn't. No, that's no right. it has. Nobody was Tom Hanks. It, it's it's a Tom it's a Tom Hanks film directed by Steven Spielberg, and because John Williams was not available, we are treated to another superb Thomas Newman soundtrack. I thank you. Right, um, yeah, it's it's basically the story of um, blues. No. It's, it's it's the story of uh, of uh, Ru- of Rudolf Abel and Gary Powers, Francis Gary Powers, Douglas Bader. No, the exchange that took place on the Bridge of Spies, or what the trial and everything like that, and um, and it's it's brilliant. And the the thing that I liked about it most is that it's it's Tom Hanks on his own, de- dealing with things on his own, and he's and he's very much a sort of a, yeah, because they kind of drop him in, don't they? They, say, do, right, they do. Drop you've got to deal it, with these yeah. three sides. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's the story it, uh, of it's the story of James yeah. Donovan who who obviously you know as it says at the end of the film he went on to to do more more good work in this area and um, it's a slow burn but to be totally yeah. honest Tom Hanks in a slow burn film directed by Steven Spielberg with a Thomas Newman soundtrack I yeah, yeah it's the kind of thing you yeah you sit back and enjoy and it's 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 a great it's a great film and it's a and it's a good historical piece as well and um obviously you the first thing you do after watching something like this is you go to the wikipedia article for it and you look at the historical <laughs> accuracy section and based on the fact that there are only one two three four paragraphs in this i think they got it pretty much right so you know other than apart from so it was hardly others, that pearl harbor film was it you know no. that front no i mean for instance you look at the, the alan turing film there's just an enormous set of inaccuracies from that. It makes you sick. Um, so, yeah, that's Bridge of Spies. Very well worth the watch. Purchase it if you can. Um, now, the last thing on my list is a, uh, a BBC series which, is, um, which has got a lot, of, a lot of press. A lot of press, mainly because of Tom Hiddleston and, uh, and Hugh Laurie. Um, it's The Night Manager. Now, this was a John le Carre book. I actually have in my Audible queue, because I bought a load of John le Carre audiobooks years ago, and uh, The Night Manager is one of the ones that I have in my... one of the ones I have in my in my queue. And uh, I just haven't listened to it yet, uh, because I've still got to get through that 57 hours of the complete history of the Third Reich 
which is not exactly a happy tome. And I've got to start it again because I've forgotten half of it. So The Night Manager uh, is a series uh, on on the BBC starring Tom Hiddleston as Jonathan Pine, Hugh Laurie as uh, Richard Roper, um, Elizabeth Debicki, uh, Olivia Coleman, who is um, who, brilliant in this. <laughs> actually she's brilliant in everything she's, yeah she is good in everything, but yeah. it's yeah. one of the first things i've seen her in where she's actually she, she's playing it serious and uh tom uh tom hollander is in it and and, and a bunch of a uh, bunch of other, he's swearing a lot but yeah a, a bunch of other um english regulars and um you know john le Carey makes his makes his customary um appearance he was in he was actually in the tinker taylor soldier spy film for a split second he's in this for a split second as well and uh it's it's brilliant tom hiddleston making his pitch to be the next term um, to, to be the next james bond i think he actually he even orders a uh a vodka martini at one point hugh laurie is very good as a as a very very nasty piece of work and um, you get this on the BBC when they do these miniseries. It's the perfect example of a series which cannot and should not be taken any further than what is presented. They did five or six episodes, and that's it. That's all we need. That is a nice. That's a nice series. Put it on the shelf and make it available to whoever wants to see it because it's brilliant. But lots of people were thinking, "Oh, oh we're going to have another series of it." And no, no. But I think Tom Hiddleston has been quoted as saying, "Is yes, if John Le Carre writes." a sequel to The Night Manager. Which, well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Which he probably won't do. Um, then, yeah, by all means, we'll do another one. But, yeah, probably not going to happen, and it's probably good that it won't, actually. As a, as a unit of work, it's extremely good. Seek it out. Any of you see that? <laughs> I may have it on the TIFO. I did set it to record. I was going to, but it was, one, you know, like one of these things that feels like it's hyped. Mm. I like to watch it all in my own time, my own space at a later date. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also really hate things that if they're really good, I've got to wait for the next episode. So I tend to try and record things and then have them at my own disposal to watch when I want. Yeah. So I know yeah. I'll start it when I know I can finish it. I'll tell you what I did. I, I, I actually I tried to watch the last episode on the iPlayer and the iPlayer was having one of its... One of its iPlayer moments where it just would not stream it cleanly. It kept pausing every 20 seconds and I was thinking... So I bought the series on Amazon for an unspecified amount of money and just watched the finale. I got it in full HD and on my connection is a... That's a stretch. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I got it in full HD, was perfect beginning to end. And it's great, and I can watch it whenever I want now because I own the license to it. It's very good. No, I I did hear very good things about it, but, you know, it was just one of those things. You know, when they do these sort of mini-series and you've got to be involved, it's funny. I always bemoan streaming as in, oh, you're going to lose that thing, the water cooler moment and all the rest of it. The only thing is you get sucked into it in the end and become lazy because you're like, Oh, well, then I'm not going to bother. I'll watch it. When I when I finish, I don't know, the Dara, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm just looking at my list. When I finish that and there's a block of six weeks without anything that I particularly want to watch or there's nothing new on Netflix or like a series or whatever that I want to start and watch, I'll do it. Yeah. And it, it's, it really has completely changed viewing habits to a point where I, I looked at it and thought, no, I'm not going to, 
give it that much time at the moment. I'll wait and watch it at a later date. And it's weird. This is um, this is it's a, it. It can be enjoyed as a just a separate thing that you can watch one episode after the other. It's like it's, it's not like reading the book. You, you know, you don't enjoy a book in episodes. No, but I I tend to enjoy a book as in it's what I'm doing at that time. So if it takes me a, a month to read, that's fine. But that's what I'm doing in that month, and uh, you know I like to dedicate time to it. Um, yeah, I mean I I love Le Carrier. I, there's oh, lots yeah. of uh, I suppose I've got four or five main Le Carriers and. Um, some of the adaptations. I mean, you do as well, don't you? I just seem to remember there's a few that you've you've kept. Um, yeah, I, I will get round to watching it, and when I do, I'm going to say to you, "Oh, you know, I wish I'd have watched it at the time. I really can't see why <laughs> I put this off, and it's really, really good." I also get a bit funny when when you got one of these things and there's too many big stars in them. I always worry that they've got loads of stars in to compensate for the fact that it's not been very well done. The th- the, yeah, the thing about this is that you had two stars in it who had a passion for the material, I think, and who really enjoyed the material. I mean, apparently Hugh Laurie has wanted to do this for years, you know, for the last 20 years or something like that. He's wanted to play Rich, you know, Richard Roper, the worst man in the world. So, yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, I, I, will be, I, will, I will watch it at some point. Watch it. Seek it out and watch it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Apart from that lot, I've been rewatching Hustle on Netflix, but that's a private thing. Um, <laughs> bit, of, bit of escapism. It's cheap stuff you can put on and watch it. Something to enjoy with a Greek salad on a Thursday night. Like brute. Indeed. What? That's cheap stuff you can put on. <laughs> oh dear. <sighs> It's at this point in the evening <laughs> when I'm glad uh, I'm back. <laughs> when I, yeah, th- that I'm glad we're back and, and we're doing we're doing shows. We are gonna we are gonna um, we are gonna attempt to continue to do shows, but uh, you know my my work life gets more and more busy. Everyone has got more and more work on as we get into the sunny part of the year. It's as it's as the it's as the nights start to draw back in again that we all start to not have so much to do. Um, but I just refuse to do it. I just refuse to do it because the weather's so nice. Um, so, um, so yeah, um, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that we, we, we will be, uh, we will be back next week for more. Um, obviously, can't make any promises, but uh, <laughs> but, there, but there we go. That's put, a, that's put a bullet in that particular idea's head. So, it only remains for me to ask you, gentlemen, where we can find you, Mister. Tone, where can we find you, sir? Um, on the Twitter, Tone7x20. And now also on... Um, I've, I've got a friend who started a podcast about uh, Xbox gaming. Friend? Um, where did you get a friend? <laughs> did you I know, ask I know, for permission this... in triplicate? <laughs> yes, did you... Yeah. yeah, I have all the forms, yeah. and and But yeah, we've... Um, there's a few of us have started up a podcast uh, by basically... The group is called Mature Xbox Gaming. It's basically people over thirty who don't want to be playing, you know, online That's multiplayer with their children. In terms of in terms of in terms of video gaming, it slightly. Um, uh, but yeah, basically, we didn't want to be sort of dealing with the teenage. You know, <laughs> you didn't want to compete with the people that get a viewing. Oh dear. Yeah, but I, no, no, it's uh, it's uh, the group is about playing, you know. 
with sort of someone you know who isn't just going to be spamming moves and things like that you know and um yeah and we've started a podcast um it's uh based at maturexboxgaming.uk for the website um mm-hmm. that's also on twitter as mature xbox blimey I bet you two, that we've done a pilot and we've done a pilot and we've done one episode uh yeah this week so playing oh, away then tone I'm, I'm terribly yeah. sorry but th- this will have to reflect in your pay packet I heard that Microsoft are stopping making the Xbox 360 today. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's no new consoles basically, but <laughs> the servers are still there to play online. Indeed. So, oh, there we go. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, if anybody does want a, a 360, I have two spare ones that I've acquired in my. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good like saying. <laughs> I've got a C64 <laughs> lying around over here. The tape, the tape drive's burnt out, but there we go. <laughs> Oh dear! Ah, that's great. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Traitor. Chip. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna do something. Uh, gap between these. <laughs> gap. Gap. What gap? This is the Judeans people's front all over again. Something like that. Crack suicide it's, uh, squad. <laughs> uh, we Mr. Uh, if we had an explicit tag, I could finish that joke. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fox. Yeah, I'm not doing any other podcasts. I'm loyal. Indeed. Where- you can find me on the BBC. No. Um, <laughs> at Very British Life, if you really want. There we go. Some people do, you know. Indeed they do. They interact with you. I know. Indeed. And I haven't annoyed them enough yet for them to go away. Yep. But yep. they'll learn that I'm not worth it one That's day. That's the way. But until then, at Very British Life. And I am very grateful. Indeed so. And you can find me on Twitter at SF Drummer. That's all we have for this show. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at airwavesshow at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment at the-airwaves.com or you can get in touch with us on Twitter at airwavescast or, more good news, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Leave us a review, why don't you? Just just an idea. Or we have a Google... Pl- what? Or don't. Or don't. Indeed. Um, especially if you don't like the show, don't do it. Um, Google Plus community. We have a Google Plus community. Uh, go to Google Plus, do a search for the airwaves, and up we will pop. We will return. Sometime. In due course. Hopefully next week. <laughs> hopefully next week. Yeah, it depends how busy Tony is with his other stuff, um, his other commitments. Or maybe we can bring out Signote and get him to appear on the podcast. He appeared at the pub last week, which was... Impressive. Yeah, and he was sick. So. Was that, yeah. How did you get him to appear at a pub? <laughs> we, we didn't record a podcast, though. No. We should have done because he wouldn't have been there very long. No. <laughs> we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Airways. But until then, take care, everybody. Oh goodbye. I'm sorry. I'm just so tired. I can't oh, stop you. Dearie me. <laughs> you would say that, that though. Like. Yeah. See you later. He's gone. He'll be back. Yeah. Oh no. Hello? Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's his reaction on top of everything else which kind of makes it beautiful, <laughs> isn't it? So, Tony, you were saying. <laughs> where was I? 